And welcome to Jaffa Takes, the show where we recap Stargate SG-1 and also the other Stargates later. But right now, only Stargate SG-1 because there's seven whole seasons before the spin-off start. Uh, and sometimes we reach an episode where they just like, they make up for the last, the, the, the episodes where no plot happens by having like three plots happen in the same episode. Uh, and then we get to talk about all of that. So we're up to season two, episode nine, Secrets. Uh, I'm your host, Simon, and today with me, we have M. Hello. And Jimmy Dean. Hello. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is Secrets. So, yeah, uh, that I, I kept like, uh, didn't want to oversell it to anyone who hasn't watched this episode yet, but I kept saying like, oh man, this episode, there's so much going on in there. Uh, there's like a high density of stuff to talk about, probably, uh, starting with, it's okay, yeah. Uh, structurally, this episode is like three plots. Like it, it has A, B, and C plot uh, happening on two different planets at the same time. And like all three of them are like arc relevant. Like they're all about things that we care about in an ongoing basis on this I, show. The yeah? Carter Jacob plot is like half a plot at best in this episode. Yeah. Yes, it, yes I mean, it builds to something very important later. But right yeah, now, that, that, it's mostly that, just an extension of the hey, people don't. What, worrying about people knowing or not knowing about the Stargate program that Jack's dealing with. Right, there is that. But considering this is this is going to fall right in line with the whole Carter plot that started at, at the start of this uh, season, uh, with stuff that is going to involve Mister Jacob Carter here that we meet for the first time. Uh, another like uh, like at, of the of the secondary characters that don't directly work at the SGC, he is, after Braytag, the one that shows up the most on this show. He He's, like, a, a very... an extremely recurring, frequent guest on this show, uh, so we're gonna see a lot of him. Uh, but he's not the only dad that is in this episode, because we start off looking at a webcam feed, and who do we see? It's our boy, our buddy, Eric Avari, from the movie. He's he's right there. Kasuf, uh, Sharae and Skara's dad, uh, has not been on the series until this episode, but now here here he is, the, the, the second of the two characters that come back, and which are played by the same actor as on the movie. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, you know that uh, the meme of Leo DiCaprio pointing at the TV? That's yep. what I did when Eric Avari came on screen. <laughs> yeah, and so so does Daniel, because he's literally looking at him on a screen in the briefing room, because uh, this is a feed from the map that they sent to Abydos, and like, Daniel like, oh wait, sorry, I thought I thought they pa paused the video, but it's just that the feed like cut off for a second. Um, yeah, they sent him out to Abydos because it's been exactly one Abydos year since Children of the Gods, uh, and like, there was one scene in the in the pilot where. Daniel made the kind of silly suggestion that they should just put a big rock over the Stargate and take it away in exactly one year, and that Daniel would be, like, Daniel promised them he would be back with Sharae on that day. And, like, no, like, that's not, 
first of all, it's been a year, no Share, he doesn't have her. Uh, second of all, like, so they sent a Malp uh, just today, I guess, because now it's been a year, or it, it has to have been a year and some change for because of the reasons that are going to be very obvious later on this I mean, in this D- episode. Daniel outright, Daniel outright says, and is like talking about the feed in a couple seconds, that yeah, no, it's been a year. Yeah, right. Uh, but my point is, uh, like, Shara is actually on, on Abydos because she was delivered there by Apophis in this episode. Uh, and there's, like, no indication that Apophis went there in the ship, though I guess it's possible. It's just that he does show up through the Stargate at the end where of the a- episode. Where would Apophis get a ship at this point? Oh, yeah, he might not have one. That's a very good point. Uh, anyway... The, clearly that rock has been off for long enough for Apophis to pay them a visit and just go, hey, watch my wife while I'm gone on, on some errands and peace, like like uh, like Marcellus Wallace uh, <laughs> dro- dropping so, off his wife. So this also like made me think of some made me think of a problem that GSGC's had for a while, has ongoing mm-hmm. that the Melps are basically the Mars are basically the Mars rovers. They're basically yes. the same machines. Yes, those take those are. Take millions to build, and oh, yeah. yeah, technically it's billions, but most of that is in propulsion and getting it to space, which they don't have to worry about. Right. It's, uh, yeah. But that, they're that, absolutely that, sending a thing that might just be atomized, spending millions of dollars sending something that just I might mean, be atomized on the other side. H- Hammond said it himself, it costs a billion dollars to turn on the lights at DSGC. It's like the, the most expensive project in the history of the U.S. military, and it's completely classified and unknown of the public. Uh, in- that includes uh, building numerous MALPs and sending them off into probable uh, <laughs> disintegration on a weekly basis. And it's kind of funny because like, when we get, get to Stargate Atlantis, uh, like the season one of Atlantis has a sort of Star Trek Voyager-esque premise where the team is stranded over there and they only have what they brought with them. And like what they brought with them includes exactly two Malps and one of them is destroyed in the pilot episode of Stargate Atlantis. Uh, but like there's other stuff that they, they use instead of Malps by the time we get there, which is still like five, six seasons away. So I- no, no need to worry about that right now. It's just yeah. I need you to know that you comparing anything to it has Star Trek Voyager energy is a grim point. It, it that, that's a <laughs> uh, sinister Atlantis, morning. Stargate Atlantis is better than Star Trek Voyager. The the similarities are superficial. They're not essential. They're just but, uh, let's put it in your your sci-fi people's in a bad situation, stranded in the middle of nowhere, yes. running out of supplies. You have three. There are three things on the spectrum. You yep. got battle. You got Voyager. Yep. You got Atlantis, and you got New Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, these on are the, 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 these are the main ones. Like Farscape, sort of, but not really. Like Stargate Atlantis starts off being like, "Hey, we're over here on Atlantis, and we have no way to get back to Earth, even though we have a Stargate." So that's that's like the season one premise of Atlantis. They they get around this eventually, and it becomes something else. But you know, um, anyway, we're not there. We're here. We're, we're, uh, we're still we're, we're still several years too early to be talking about Atlantis. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, <laughs> we're here over in season two, and it's been a year since the start uh, on Abydos because uh, it's been uh, slightly over a year on Earth, as we know. Um, oh yeah, the Carter does say to to the day it's been an Abydos year. So the, my guess is that big rock over the Stargate that, that didn't last long. Like Kasuf saw that big rock and it was like, "Well, take take that shit off there." We we might need that Stargate for some purpose because uh, <laughs> that that makes more sense than. Uh, 
that just started being blocked. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, the, this briefing is uh, them recapping basically what what Daniel said in the pilot about uh, about them. Like it's the 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 deadline is up uh, uh, for giving the Ab- Abedonians uh, news of Shara and Skara. So Daniel ha- is duty bound to go back there and tell them what happened, uh, which is like all bad news. Uh, <laughs> And like it, as is underlined here in this scene, uh, Sharae and Skara are both now ghouled. They're lost. Uh, they just barely like they only learned that Skara is even still alive last week. They thought he was dead until then. Uh, but like, yeah, they're both bad guys now. Uh, it's not good. There's like kind of an active war <laughs> going on in the galaxy right now. Uh, everything has kind of gone to shit. But we should still go go over there and tell Daniel's father-in-law that. Uh, what's what's up because he he does deserve to know um uh and yeah and then hammond says well you were supposed to go to washington dc to get like uh uh, to actually no daniel wasn't gonna get a medal because the military is giving medals to uh carter and o'neill for saving the world at, at the beginning of the season uh but they're not gonna give uh teal or daniel any like civilian consultant assistance medals or anything because they're not going to be there anyway uh only sam and jack have uh, their presence is obligatory at this ceremony i guess um i mean teal teal can't even go can't even go anyway His right existence is classified. right because they because they're holding the ceremony like in public with the pres- president presumably the media is there in in like uh in an Air Force building in uh, in Washington D.C. that we're gonna see, like a, a place that is seems pretty much open to the public, that like anyone could could walk there. There's catering staff and stuff, like not classified in the slightest. So yeah, Tilk would would need a very large hat if he was gonna be there. Um, and you can't anyway. wear a hat. And you can't wear a hat at a medal ceremony. That's, no, you can't. Let's go. Right, we're we're gonna have some words about something that's on uh, Stargate Wiki concerning hats. <laughs> in a minute <laughs> um, um yeah uh yeah and like uh daniel says all right well i don't need to be there because i'm not gonna get a medal anyway and like tilk is gonna be like muscle enough to protect me like for security i don't need the rest of the team on abydos they're with the people i love and if if shit does hit the fan tilk is is good enough to protect me and whatever um, but you know what that's not entirely unreasonable Tilk's yeah definitely the most capable of the of the four. Oh yeah for sure in that regard uh, well, yeah. When when two entire separate gold show up on that planet, he's going to be uh, essential to to the continued survival of our friends. Uh, so yeah, uh, they just they just go there through the through the the, the Stargate, and like Daniel and Jack just kind of like say, uh, "Hey, so long" to each other, and like Daniel says to Jack to say hi to the president for him and Jack says to say hi to Kasu for him and everything so it's just yep this is uh, Daniel dresses back up in his Avidos clothes for yep. some reason oh yeah I guess because they're not <laughs> it's like, to put, he's not planning on staying though or anything no yeah it's to put the Abedonians at ease I guess this is, this is how they've always known him since I don't know that's a good point um so yeah they split up and that's, got, that's the way it's going to be for most of the episode with the team like split up between the different plots. Uh, so Daniel and Teal are going off to plot A on Abydos. Um, and they come out in that same uh, gate room that we saw in the pilot where the Malp and Kasuf are. Uh, and like, yeah, so first of all, 
Daniel has to introduce Teal'c to him and say, hey, it's cool. He's a Jaffa, but he's he's a good guy. <laughs> I don't know if he, if he tells him that the, he's specifically the Jaffa who kid that Charé, but uh, that's him anyway. Nah, he, he, that, that comes up later. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Daniel like kneels and apologizes to Kasuf for not bringing Shari back. And Kasuf like kind of like fucks with him, I guess, because he just like accepts his apology and doesn't say anything. But you know, Shari is actually already on Abydos right now, so uh, Kasuf knows knows what's up. <laughs> I guess uh, he he just wanted to see his uh, son-in-law grovel a little bit before him, because um, like Kasuf doesn't even know about. Uh, I'm on it yet because uh, they're gonna have to explain it to him. Um, but yeah. How long has she been here? I don't know. That's what. That's what I'm wondering. What, that's that, that's why what... this com- this has never come up in conversation between them. <laughs> no, right? Um, I don't know. And uh, I mean, Shari probably wouldn't like. So my guess is like Amanet walk through the Stargate alone. Not to raise a fuss on Abydos, they're like no Jaffa, no Apophis, because that would have freaked uh, Kasuf out and the other Abydonians. So she probably just like, and Amanet was already like uh, under, like in a coma when this happened. Like we're gonna we're gonna learn that because uh, Shara is pregnant, um, that Amanet is temporarily out of commission and can't control her body, which is what's going on here. And like Shari presumably didn't want to worry her dad or. Uh, raise a stink or cause some drama. I don't know if she told him who the dad of her baby is. I don't know if Kasuf like assumed it was Daniel and that's, I don't know. It's like much like Braytac last week uh, the things that Kasuf doesn't know right now are a little bit confusing but uh, <laughs> anyway, it's all, it's all in the service of plot. Um, Kasuf walks them through a a, an interior soundstage that is dressed up to look like the exterior of Abydos, which is kind of funny, uh, into a tent where Shara is just sitting there. And like immediately, uh, Daniel tenses up and Teal'c points his hat directly at her. And Kasuf like doesn't get it, but like the camera pans down to her belly and we see that, oh no, she's pregnant. Uh, which like I need to pause here and say, first of all, yes. Uh, the actor was really pregnant at this point, and the father of this actor's baby was Michael Shanks. Uh, she, she was actually pregnant with Daniel's baby. Um, and they wrote it into the show in the grand tradition of uh, sci-fi writing pregnancies into the show, uh, much like uh, uh, Kira Nerys uh, uh, carrying uh, O'Brien and Keiko's baby in her belly. Uh, this is Shara uh, actually in real life pregnant with Daniel's baby, but in fiction, pregnant with Apophis's baby. Um, yeah, so uh, that's the opening credits I, now. Um, I want to brief stuff there, because like, gamma biology is weird and doesn't make sense, but mm-hmm. this, one act- this bit actually does a little bit. Mm-hmm. That, to some degree, it makes sense that the Gal- the Gawad symbiote would start... Comp- would regard a, a fetus as a host, as a host, as a competing parasite. Oh yeah. So it has uh, to go dor- dormant for this time, and also explains why they don't imprint, why they don't just use the Jaffa as hosts. Yes. Uh. That. Yeah. You're right. That is consistent internally. Um. There. There's a, like I'm also thinking like uh. There's there's a whole thing where. You know, there are some uh, cases of uh, miscarriages that are caused by the mother's 
uh, immune system rejecting the fetus as a like as an invasive uh, presence and like basically killing it. Uh, and yeah, I, that's now, one of the things that Kia wants to do. They yeah, basically yes, lose that. Exactly, and like that would explain why uh, Amanet needs to basically put herself to sleep while this is going on because that might activate uh, Shara's immune system and cause a miscarriage. Uh, so like it, it, they don't explain that in the episode, but it is consistent when you think about it that this is what would need to happen. So uh, points now, there. Now if I was writing it, I'd probably take it a step further and. That she actually has to leave the host body for the for the pregnancy, yes. and that'd be a whole extra point of drama there. But yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, if I, I think <laughs> if Amonet was actually not even in her body right now, that would make the conflict in this episode like even like way less uh, tense and and way less. Uh, like they wouldn't have to hesitate for a second and say okay hey let's actually just protect you and bring you back to earth and whatever else we need to do like knowing that the monitor is in there is like a, an extra wrinkle that gives them like a basically a ticking clock and also makes it so that uh they 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 are hesitant to bring her back to earth because they know what yeah. the nid does with active live gould when they have them um anyway yeah uh, wh- what I like is like Tilk has just pointed his zat at Sharae, and uh, Kasuf doesn't understand what's going on right now. But he just like steps in front of her and say, "No, wait, shoot me instead." And he's just like he, he doesn't he doesn't understand why he's just going to protect his daughter. And he's the, it, it's kind of sweet, I guess, even though he's like very confused and doesn't understand why. Um, and like this is when they explain to him that hey, okay, yeah, okay. Kasuf says Shari has been there for more than a season, which implies it's been some months uh, that that she's been there. So clearly, that rock in front of the Stargate for a year did, just didn't happen. Like they were all like, yeah, fuck this. We 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 revolted and uh, fought against the people that made us haul rocks around all day. We're not gonna start again. Uh, <laughs> So I guess they just didn't do that, uh, which which makes everything easier. Um, anyway, yeah. So so there's a whole what, thing uh, now. Yeah. What what kind of life do we think they have now that uh, the, their enemies are gone? Just 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 freedom. Just just free wheeling. Just whatever. They live in the commune now. This is like free love, free grass. They they make they make uh, moonshine that we know of. So uh, they just get drunk all day. Live like hobbits, and I guess have. There's probably floodplains somewhere since this in, this is an Egypt uh, based planet. Like there's they have a Nile where they have farmers. I presume like uh, doing agriculture. Even though we've never seen anything that even looks like that, it's just been the mines. But uh, I bet actually, there's actually a full there's actually like a full Vancouver. It's like just on the <laughs> other side of the <laughs> they, they have an entire ass city out there. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. Like, I can't. I can't imagine they would do anything reminiscent of what we have in Egypt. Uh, just because they wouldn't have like the divine right of kings, no, like, they, they don't just have overthrew their kings. Yeah, they 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 have communist Egypt is what's going on. Like it's worker owned farms, floodplains. Yeah, uh, or yeah, sand shire, desert shire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's I, I I like to imagine like Abydos hobbits better just getting drunk and smoking weed and like having parties. Uh, that that sounds more like 
what I would like to imagine. Like, clearly, like, no one is going to the mine to mine anymore. They don't have any use for Nakoda, so that place is, like, at best, at worst abandoned, at best, like, a, a, like a monument to their victory over the ghoul, then they just throw parties there and wreck the place for fun. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the kids that join O'Neill in the movie may as well be hobbits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, they might as well be Merry and Pippin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I like to like. I, I, I like. Think... Yeah. Now, now, this is uh, overall. It's a good thing that they don't and mm-hmm. aren't like being bad. They are the American. They are the American military. Why aren't <laughs> they mining the Nakodon that, Avenue? That's a good question because there's specifically an episode like not much later in this season uh, about the U.S. being sh- sh- shitty old. Uh, imperialists on a different planet with which they want to mine, so I guess, like, Abydos did just... O'Neil and Jack, did, did Jack and Daniel just lie on all the reports and be all like, no, they were just mining rocks, yeah. not any cool alien stuff? Either that, or they put an actual seal of protection on this planet, like, no, Jack and Daniel are gonna be mad if we go, if we do that, this this planet is off-limits, and everyone, like, in the military, and the, in the NID, and the government respects that for some reason. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> no, of course they wouldn't. They wouldn't fucking give a damn. Um. <laughs> I think it's simply they can't do that and maintain the uh, the whole Stargate's not being profitable. Because if they right. admit that they're mining high-power crystals, the entire series immediately pivots into StarCraft. <laughs> Right, that's 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 the that's the thing, and like it it gets like prestige drama ish. Are we the baddies territory at that point? Like, and also like we know that the people specifically manning the facility where the only Stargate on Earth is are opposed to this plan, and they would have to go through Hammond and, and O'Neill to do that. And it, anyway, um, not that they wouldn't try anyway. Um, so yeah. Uh, Kasuf doesn't know about the monet, and uh, like Daniel and Teal explain it to him, and like she, <clears throat> Shari says like kind of cries and like says yeah it's true what they're saying, and like Daniel Daniel thinks this is just a monet being like hiding her presence right now because as we've seen before, uh, but but she goes no wait. Uh, actual explanation for this episode since I'm pregnant the the, the, the demon sleeps so uh, like Amonit is dormant right now because for for medical reasons and like Daniel doesn't Daniel doesn't look like he's sure if he believes it or not but it's it's a little hard um, yeah and then, then like Tilk like Daniel like looks to Tilk for confirmation on this and Tilk is like as dumbfounded as he, as Daniel is, he's like, I've never like, ghoul don't make babies together, so this is completely unexplored territory for me. Uh, but like, yeah, uh, Daniel asks if Apophis is the father, and she says yes. Um, um, and then like, Tilk is like, oh wait, does that mean Apophis is here? And she goes, no, 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 uh, the. He's he's hidden her there because she has to be pregnant in secret because the baby is part of some some kind of secret plan of Apophis's. Uh, yeah, yeah, she so, she does so tell him. Is, yeah, this is like second only to hiding to letting Luke Skywalker keep his last name and hiding him on Tatooine in terms of bad places <laughs> to hide your secret kid. That's a very good point. Uh, I don't know where, like, it's like, okay, we know Apophis is spread extremely thin, so he doesn't have much support in places that he actually controls, but you would think that 
putting her in the nice cell with some pillows and niceties on the uh, in his palace would be better. At the very least, put her on Kulak. Yeah, I don't know. He still got guys there. Yeah, put her somewhere where there's guards, not like literally completely unguarded with her dad at the planet where the humans uh, know to go back to and everything. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty. The humans successfully led a revolt against the previous big system lord. Yep. Because that's what, yeah, that's what, uh, yeah, that that place revolted against uh, that previous system lord. Uh, like, and yeah, speaking of other system lords, uh, Apophis had to do that because he's currently uh, embroiled in a skirmish against Heru-Ur as part of the ongoing Ghoul civil war that was uh, triggered by what was mentioned last episode, which is uh, Apophis being weakened, which made all the other Ghoul smell blood in the water and tried to take him out right now. Uh so he's like he's like stuck between a rock and a hard place, and for some reason, uh, the the best thing he could think to do was to stash his wife on this here planet where, uh, where no, which is not under Gould control, and where everything everyone who lives there or knows about this planet is uh, sympathetic to uh, the the host of his wife, <laughs> and like uh, and hates him and hates the ghoul that is in her, so uh, good 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 plan there. But at least uh, by doing that, he's creating a situation that is giving the humans like a moral dilemma, which is uh, <laughs> is going to be kind of the the focus of the first act of this episode, uh, which is, like, that Tilk uh, immediately, like, uh, sniffs the opportunity in this situation and goes, hey, Daniel, uh, wait, we're, we're gonna get back there because we get to have a scene in Washington, D.C. first. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, they found the, the two, like, the, the, the staircase, the stairway that looks the most like Washington, D.C. and Vancouver and have filmed, like, two or three exterior uh, scenes uh, and at uh, that spot uh, works well enough. They they found stairs with a nice like uh, Griffin statue on it. That, that aesthetic. Honestly, I thought that was like a weird goose statue the whole time. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, it might be like a hippogriff or something. It's not clear. It's anyway. Uh, but the, some kind of thing with feathers. Yeah, yeah. It has two wings, uh, and it looks like we only see the front of it, so I can't confirm. But it looks like it has four legs. Anyway, uh, where uh, Colonel O'Neill and Captain Carter are walking down those stairs, walking past civilians, and just s- talking about their job in, like, in the open. Uh, like Carter mentions the, the Stargate, which is going to be significant later in, this, in the episode. Uh, right there, on those stairs, in the outside, in, in the open, which, though, that's, a, that's a, a bad call right there for someone who's about to get a medal for her service. Um, anyway, yeah, we cut to uh, what looks like a hotel lobby, but it's, it's inside what's supposed to be a, like an Air Force uh, a DC facility, offices of some kind, uh, probably where the chief of the Air Force staff works or something. Well, I guess I would be at the Pentagon, but his DC office or something. Um, yeah, uh, there's there's a, a little reception going on down there with uh, caterers and drinks and everything. Um, 
And like Hammond is talking to someone we only see for the back right, from the back right now. And we don't know who that is, but he, he beckons, uh, Sam Carter over and that man turns around and like she, she recognizes him and goes, Oh, dad, because that's her father. That is General Jacob Carter, her, her dad. Uh, he's there now. Like, well, we've mentioned him enough, but yeah, he's the, he's a character now and we're gonna see what happens with him, uh, going forward from there. Uh, so we go back to another scene on Abydos where, uh, Kasuf it is comforting, uh, Sharae. And like, okay, so Daniel basically like yelled at Sharae and then stormed off when she, when she explained the situation to him because he was upset or didn't believe her or, you know, uh, he had, uh, too much going on, so he had to leave the room. And Sharae thought that meant that uh, Daniel was mad at her and that he didn't love her anymore or whatever, uh, taking on the guilt of uh, being a ghoul. Uh, and, like, yeah, so Kasufi is just, like, kind of comforting her. And, and Teal is, like, he just walks in there and goes, hey, no, don't worry about it. Uh, Daniel, like, literally never shuts up about you over there. It's been, like, a whole... In the whole year I've known him, my God, like... Dude, don't, don't worry about that. He still loves you. Uh, he's always looking for a way to actually free you. Um, and Kasuf, like, rightly says... As long as there, you know, yeah. as long as there isn't another pretty girl on the planet. Yeah, as long as... I, yeah, as, Daniel... Yeah. Daniel's always talking about his wife off-screen. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, as long as he's not under mind control or on drugs causing him to become horny for another lady he's always faithful to you or a caveman or a caveman yeah oh yeah that's right that was that that one time also um yeah kasuf like says well if he's so in love with her he sure he sure is acting like a jerk right now which is funny um and like Shara recognizes Teal'c at this point, and he's the like he fesses up and says, "Oh yeah, I was there. Uh, it was kind of my fault." Uh, he asks her to forgive him, uh, and then she says, "No, no, no that's I do like this. <laughs> I do like this. It's like, oh yeah, no, I I didn't know you kidnapped me. I just knew Apophis hates you. <laughs> yeah, Apophis. You you mentioned how Daniel keeps always talking about me, dude. Apophis never shuts up about you, man. He's you're like he's obsessed with you. Yeah, he." he, he He's got a picture of you in every room that he can glare at and throw knives at. He, he, he hates you more than anyone. He like holy shit! I've never seen someone hate someone so bad, man. Uh, <laughs> and like Teal doesn't really react to this, but I like to imagine internally he's like, yeah, hell yes. <laughs> um, uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, that's it for this scene. Uh, so yeah, now Teal walks out and goes to talk to Daniel. Um, like yeah, we me- we've mentioned it before, but he doesn't wear his glasses at all, even in one scene in this episode. Uh, I think like the the point of this is to make him seem more uh, at, like part of the society on Ab- Abydos, like it's his home in a way, and also because he has like the this big crying scene there, and like when you're crying on TV, it looks better if you're not wearing glasses. That that those are my guess as to why he's not wearing them uh, on top of Michael Shanks not actually needing to wear glasses in real life. But anyway, um, <clears throat> Till goes up and talks to him and says he's like all business now. Till like he's like, hey, so um, I know you're having a moment right now, but uh, we we need to bring her back to Earth right now. Like this is we're never gonna have another opportunity like this. We need to capitalize on this. This is this is this is it, man. This is what you've been looking for. She's right here, and she's not currently being controlled by the ghoul. So uh, let's go. Let's do this. Um, and then I was like, wait, hang on. 
if we do that, if we do the thing I've been obsessed about for a year, uh, yeah, okay, so Teal does spell it out that, hey, since she's a ghoul host, that means that she knows everything Apophis knows, which is, like, also tactically useful on top of being what you actually want. And now Daniel is uh, having second thoughts about this whole thing, and he says, well, hang on, if we bring her back, the NID is just going to stick her in a cell and like colonel mayborn is gonna torture her and shit and like do i really want that to happen really is that really worse than her being apophis's wife and having his baby and tilk is kind of like well yeah though uh it's it's still better <laughs> like first of all like until she has the baby she'd she'd be right there and you'd have spent some time with your wife second of all technically useful for Earth to do that. Third of all, even being in a US military cell is still better than being Apophis's bride slave uh, and also brooding mare. So, uh, yeah. G- good points. Like, Teal- Teal'c is the voice of reason in this one in many ways. Uh, but- I mean, they, they, they do have other options they don't bring up. Yes. But, but they don't... Like, they, they, they did say it. The hammer, was, the hammer on Chimera has been repaired. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they've said that they could they could just bring her there. It's been repaired and make, it has an exception programmed in for Teal'c. Uh huh. That's right. Uh, very 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 good point. Uh, they could they could do that. They have the one way they know of to kill a ghoul and keep the host alive. Uh, although they are like I guess they could just target directly to to Samaria without going through Earth. That that would skip the whole phase where the military is there and goes, hey, no, keep her here. Um, Anyway, they don't they don't consider that because that's not part of this episode. Uh and like yeah, Daniel is upset, but he's eventually gonna decide that this is what he needs to do anyway. Um uh, and yeah, that Daniel kind of relents like right at the end of the scene, he goes, Alright, yeah, this is like we're we're stuck between picking between two shitty sh- situations, and I guess I'm picking the one where we at least get her back to Earth, which is what I've been nominally wanting for for a whole year. Uh, but he's like, yeah, okay, okay, I guess. But please let me just have a mo- moment alone with her to break the news to her. Um, so yeah. Uh... So uh, now we we'll go, we go back to Earth, and uh, they're having the at uh, the little shindig where uh, where Jacob is is like say to, saying how hey I was just chatting with my old buddy George here who's my friend and like we we've, we've known each other since the Cold War and we're we're actually buddies so it's funny small world huh anyway uh, since the since the Cold War a whole like seven years ago right that's right because it's still 1998 right now um so yeah uh, Jacob's like. Jacob is, as far as we know, well, he he can't possibly be the only person in this room who doesn't know about the Stargate, but he's the only speaking person in this room who doesn't know about the Stargate. Um, Because, like he says, so anyway, yeah, George said you're getting a a Medal of Valor or whatever for your analysis of deep space radar telemetry. Like, you can tell immediately that Jacob is like, "Uh uh-huh, that sounds like some bullshit that the CIA would make up back during the Cold War, which I was in. Um, uh, Yeah, and he's like, all right. Uh, He's like being... uh, a little, like, skeptical about all this, but uh, he doesn't push it any farther for now. Uh, and then, like, yeah, Jack gets there, and they, like, go... Uh, 
uh, uh, Hammond introduces them and he says, uh, Colonel O'Neill, this is General Carter. And like O'Neill like, does a little like, huh, that's weird. That's funny that you have the same name as him. Uh, and like she goes, yeah, that's my dad. Yeah. Um, uh, so what's, what's going on there? Uh, yeah. Uh, so O'Neill like shakes his hand. He says, "Yeah, I've never heard a single word spoken about you," which is uh, <laughs> kind of funny. And like he says, Jacob says, "Ah, you know, I've retired and whatever." And O'Neill says, "Yeah, I, I retired two once, but like, yeah, I, I came back then." And like uh, Jacob says, "Yeah, so you couldn't. You were so excited about analyzing deep space radar telemetry that you had to just had to come back." <laughs> O'Neill like, twice. yeah, O'Neill kind of no, like doesn't quite no sell it. He just like takes a sip of his drink while grinning a little bit and going oh you know how how fun all the out of that uh, that stuff is um and yeah he he's he's just you know uh plausibly denying it and then like finds a way to escape the conversation <laughs> i'm just gonna have to assume that an air force general also knows about the tom clancy novel that was jack's pre yeah pre stargate backstory presumably which is like you know so Jacob knows that Hammond was assigned to the SGC as like a cushy re- pre-retirement job that where nothing is supposed to happen, but like the fact that his daughter and this other guy who was like a decorated, the like Gulf War hero, uh, who was also involved in shady black ops in the eighties, are all working there and that they're getting a medal from the president for their work there, which is like. He presumably doesn't know any details of exactly what they're getting the medal for. He all he like Jacob knows just knows that they're doing some classified shit, and he's just like playing with them by like playing dumb about it because you know he knows how the game is played. Uh, I re- I really like the bit where uh, O'Neill leaves the conversation and says "General Captain General Waiter" as he's nodding to everyone around him. Um, funny little bit of I assume uh, off the cuff acting from. Richard Dean Anderson. Um, so yeah, uh, Hammond also leaves, and uh, Jacob and Sam are left uh, to, to to have a one-on-one conversation, uh, where he says, "Hey, uh, I'm a general, so I have some like I can pull some strings. I can like put the nepotism card on the table, and like I've I've talked to someone at NASA, and like you can basically go there and be an astronaut tomorrow. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that great that I basically told them yes on your behalf already? And she doesn't answer quite quite right away, but you know, we know that uh, it's it's going to be more complicated than that. And then we get uh, a, a scene that uh, Stargate Wiki had some objections about because in the goofs <laughs> section on, on the on the page of this episode they, there's like a short scene where O'Neill is seen walking down the stairs uh, and he's not wearing his hat and Stargate Wiki says that a uh, <laughs> uh, an Air Force colonel in dress uniform would never ever take off his hat like this this is an unacceptable breach of conduct so uh, thank you Air Force uh, thank you Stargate Wiki for pointing this out to us um more important. Truly, truly, this was the episode where everyone was forgetful. <laughs> the villains, the protagonists, yeah. everyone was, just had a loose memory. Yep, yep. No one knows anything. Everyone is, has forgotten. Isn't that funny? Uh, so, yeah, uh, this scene serves more to to introduce another one-off character in this episode, uh, Patrick Klepik, right there. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's just watches O'Neill wa- walk past him, and he like kind of follows him. Uh, not right away, but uh, yeah. 
Uh, we're back on Abydos, and now Daniel is having that one-on-one conversation with Share. He alluded to, uh, where like, yo, so she's like, all she's still in. Oh, you hate me now, mode. And he goes, hey, no, and he just gives her a big old hug to reassure her that everything is fine. Uh, well, I mean, as you know, asterisk, but um, <laughs> that Daniel doesn't hate her for for what happened. It's not her fault. Uh. So, yes, uh, yeah, you get, like I think what she's actually apologizing for at this point is for her quote-unquote infidelity for becoming pregnant from someone else, and he reassures her that he doesn't blame her for that. Um, you, you have a literal mind control stake. Yep. It's fine. It's fine. If, if, if you knew what I did under mind control while you were gone, what? What? No, nothing. Don't worry about it. Um Anyway, yeah, they, yeah, it's like, yeah, I, yeah, it's it's fine. You you have a you have a son with the with the evil space <laughs> the evil space thing. I have I have accidentally fathered the an entire brood of yeah. There's like there's like a there's a men and ghouls out there like in in Hathor's uh, little like tank thing that that are gonna be my kids technically not the ones that like we killed all the ones that were on Earth but she's got a, she's got. She's kept some, like she she has some that she just like spawned out there on another planet since that episode. So don't worry about it. Um, anyway, yeah, they just hug and uh, they reconcile, I guess. Um, so we get back to the Carters, um, and like yeah. Uh, so uh, Jacob gives us some exposition about how oh, when Sam was a little girl, she wanted to be an astronaut, and she she like kept wanting, waiting for the shuttle program, to, which went on hiatus after Columbia, and then it was reinstated, and now it's her chance, and like he's uh, he's got enough pull that uh, that that he can make it happen now. Uh, he called the right people, and you're in, baby. Uh, and she goes, hey, no, you shouldn't have done that and he's like yeah but i did aren't i great aren't i the dad of the year uh she's but, but like she's mad at him because he didn't even consult her uh, about this and like he's puzzled because all of a sudden she does he it sounds like she doesn't want that job even though it was her I, dream job i appreciate sam having to figure out reasons why she wouldn't want to be an astronaut <laughs> right to her dad like the the one person on earth who knows her the most the best out of anyone uh and who knows that 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 was her dream um yeah those sure way to tell like the least opportune time to pull pull a trigger oh yeah i mean it's the okay well we're gonna learn uh in a few scenes that he has cancer so this is also him uh trying to do a bucket list kind of thing where he's like all right let's let's get let's uh, nepotism my daughter into that job she's always wanted before i die uh like funny enough doesn't mention her brother (laughs) in this episode but it's gonna turn out that samantha has a brother who is estranged from his dad uh presumably because he disapproves from the military or something like that um but yeah he he doesn't come up in this episode it's all it's all about his little baby girl uh going to space uh and of course sam's brother simply isn't astronaut material (laughs) no he's a he's he's a family man because like we know that uh, he has, I think, two daughters, because Carter has mentioned that she has nieces. Uh, we're going to see yeah. him uh, at some point in a later episode. Uh, I don't think he even speaks. He's just an extra in like one shot at some point. But yeah, anyway. Um, 
Uh, yeah, he's just living uh, a suburban life, uh, uninvolved from the military, basically, which I assume is uh, the tension that he has with his dad. Uh, anyway, uh, so Daniel uh, Carter says, sorry, Sam says, uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't want to be an astronaut. Please, please drop this. Uh, uh, and like he, he, he asks why, and she says, well, I can't tell you. <laughs> Um, yeah, and Jacob is like, yeah, okay, okay, please just call him or I'll look like an asshole or whatever. Uh, and like, and, and, and she like kind of like just chuckles and gives him a sarcastic look and goes, oh yeah, okay, I get it now. This is the Jacob Carter I remember. Now it's all about you. You're just like, you want me to pity you. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's about your ego. And like, he, he drops it at that point. Uh, he, well, I mean, he, he, uh, he he cuts the conversation short. Uh, he's he's clearly uh, upset by, it, you know, by being called out like this. Uh, obviously, she doesn't know he has cancer, but it's it's making making him more upset that this is how it turned out. Uh, not that he's being very nice anyway, uh, but you know, that's 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 uh, he's not a boomer. He wouldn't be a boomer. He, that's a forgotten generation man for you, um, keeping their feelings. Uh, bottled up inside and only doing what they think uh, is the right thing to do. Anyway, uh, Jack is having a drink in a very nice pub, restaurant, grill bar place, a place that looks like Cheers, kind of. Enjoying a beer. I like how he he left the the caterers definitely has definitely has an alcohol per, permit ceremony yeah. to go to a bar. Uh, he, he literally had a glass of punch at the reception. We saw him take a sip from it and like immediately after taking a sip from it, he like said, "Okay, I'm gonna go now." And, like he went over to a bar to have a dr- to have a beer because I guess he's he's more well. We know he's a beer man. Any anytime we see a scene that's in this house, he's drinking a beer. Uh, that's not new. Um, I'm gonna object anyway. to your comparison to it being Cheers. Uh, I I did watch <laughs> yeah. the episode a week ago. Uh, it is uh-huh. that establishment is floor level, like street level, and also wasn't yeah. sad enough. It did not look sad enough yeah. to be Cheers. No, you're right. <laughs> it, it looks like a pretty, a pretty nice restaurant. Like it is Washington D.C., close to wherever the Air Force headquarters are. So, and like the 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 bartender is wearing a white shirt and a and a. Sorry, a bow tie. So clearly, this is a pretty kind of fancy establishment. This is probably a place where government, like higher ups, go to have a drink and a meal uh, after work and whatever. So, uh, yeah, okay, it's not it's not as shitty as Cheers. I take it back. Even though by the standards of some shitty bars I've seen, like Cheers is still like several levels above, say, a Moe's from The Simpsons. So <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, because Cheers has servers. <laughs> that's right. Um, Anyway, he's having a beer at the at the counter there, and uh, the afore- the aforementioned Patrick Klepek is walks in and starts talking to him. Uh, he says, uh, "Yeah, he he calls him by name, Colonel Jack O'Neill, whatever," and he starts chatting him up. Uh, uh, yeah, he he gives him his card and says he's a journalist, uh, and like Jack kind of clams up at this point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he like Arm- he says his name is Armin Selig, so uh, he he orders a beer and like uh, 
Jack just says, "Why don't you have mine?" And he takes a sip and just leaves like a, a bottom of uh, a, the bottom of his glass on the counter, like very insultingly. Uh, he says, "I haven't touched it," which is kind of funny. Uh, and then like uh, Selig says, "Heading back to, back to the Stargate so soon to make his point very succinctly." Uh, and Jack, to his credit. 100% no sells this. He doesn't react in any way to hearing this. He just uh, acts like the word Stargate is uh, some nonsense word salad that this guy just said that that like that doesn't mean anything to him. Uh, but yeah, uh, th- this guy clearly knows what's up because he describes the Stargate uh, and says, "Hey, I like like Jack denies it." Um, he goes, hey, before you leave, you should listen to this. And he t- takes out the little uh, tape recorder that he has. Uh, and it's the conversation that uh, Jack and Sam had earlier. Uh, apparently, they, they messed up a little bit and they didn't use the same take that was used on the show for the tape. And it's not exactly the same words. Whoops. Uh, continuity error, but whatever. Um, anyway, yeah, in that conversation, if you'll remember, uh, Carter mentioned... The this is so bad, it, go, it, goes to the, it goes behind the scenes, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, she mentioned the, the Stargate program by name, uh, which when I said that that wasn't a smart thing to do out in public, well, uh, you have actual concrete evidence why that wasn't a good idea, because this guy was actually just standing there with a, a remote microphone pointed at them, just recording what they were saying, uh, which I don't know about, you know, the journalistic, if that's actually allowed when you're a journalist recording people without their knowledge. Uh, but yeah, that's enough for him to have some evidence that uh, that O'Neill wouldn't like uh, for for it to leak out there uh, for 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 to, to become uh, public knowledge. Um, and he says, so Selig says, yeah. So uh, I just I would just like you to you know give me a confirmation that everything I said is true and that, like he says, uh, no, he doesn't even say right now everything that he knows, but he just wants uh, Jack to acknowledge that the Stargate is real, uh, which which Jack doesn't do, doesn't do. Uh, but like, yeah, uh, so as part of that recorded conversation, uh, Jack said, I've been all over the galaxy and I can't find my way around, around Washington. And he says, well, he says, uh, see something galaxy is the name of a huge cargo ship. Uh, so that's, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> and then Selig says, and what about the Stargate that your colleague mentioned? And Jack just like shrugs and says, I have no clue. And he, he just leaves. Uh, which uh, I mean, he could just say that it's a code name for some for something because you know, that's what it actually is in real yeah, life. It was uh, yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, the the, the yeah, the, if, I forget what it was, but yeah, yeah, it was an, it was something that something psychic attached to MTL yes, Ultra, that's right. Nonsense that didn't actually work and do anything, but yeah. <laughs> Which is which would be a story in itself in the '90s if it turns out that this '60s bullshit was still going on. But um, anyway, yeah, the 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 nice thing for O'Neill's plausible deniability in this scene is that Carter is the one who mentioned the Stargate on the recording, so he doesn't have to pretend like he knows what it is. It's just something someone else said, and I didn't follow up on with any questions, so I don't have to know what it was. Um, so he just leaves, uh, which By is the way. you know. Yeah, I I've been watching a lot of legal TV, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm going to say I'm an expert on legal matters. Uh, I think yes. a journalist can record some other people's conversation. Uh, All right, there you as go. As long as they're not attorneys, as long as it's not covered under privilege. Okay. All right. So as long as it's not attorneys or doctors. All right. And, and they're in but, a public venue. 
Yeah, I, I'm just saying because you know I I know that the the police does doesn't fo- actually follow these rules, but nominally there's a rule that police can't record people without their knowledge. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, whatever. Uh, thank you for bringing us that knowledge from I assume Ali McBeal, uh, a very uh, a, a very uh, useful font of legal knowledge. Uh, whenever that, that's a fair assumption, you would be incorrect. Uh, I've been watching a lot of the Good Fight. <laughs> All right, thanks. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, we're, we're now we're back on Abydos, and uh, the Charlie is trying to say, "Hey, so if if we do that, when Amanet comes back, she's she's gonna be she's gonna punish the child for for what we're doing." And they they try to reassure her and say, "No, we're gonna we're gonna take your baby away from you as soon as he's born to make sure that doesn't happen." Aren't you? Isn't that nice of us? Uh, not that the alternative is really better, but you know. Uh, and then, like Kasuf is concerned at this point when he goes, "Hey, so this this Apophis guy, he's gonna come back here and like look for her, right?" Etil says, "Well, when he does that, just tell him that uh, that one of his enemies took the baby away." Kasuf says, "Well, that's technically the truth." And then he goes, all right, yeah, we're going to do that. Because I guess the only thing Kasuf was worried about was that he can't convincingly lie. But if it's the truth, he's fine with it. Even though it seems to me like even if you told that to Apophis and he believed you, he might still murder you because he's a pissy little baby. But, you know, uh, that's that's kind of a risky plan. You should should probably just evacuate everyone to Earth at this point. Uh, Anyway... Uh, so yeah, Kasuf says he's, uh, he's in for that plan. Uh, actually, he, uh, he orders Sharae to go with them, and Daniel tries to say, hey, we don't do that over here. Uh, <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't let dads just tell their daughters what to do like this. And Daniel says, all right, Sharae, like, this is, you have to choose, actually, yourself. Uh, and she, like, kind of, like, convinces herself, and she says that she, you know, when 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 Amonet is out, it's like she's stuck in a cage, and it's it's no better than than being in an actual prison or whatever. So, uh, it's better to be on Earth and with people who are gonna do good, like quotation marks, do good because we are talking about the NID, uh, <laughs> than to be with Apophis because at least you're fucking up with his plans by doing that, and his plans can't possibly be anything good. Um, so, yeah. So, so, so yeah, uh, so, yeah, she, she agrees to go, and Tilk says, all right, we should go right now, because since this baby is imminent, and it's a TV show, which means this baby is coming, like, in 15 minutes, (laughs) that means Apophis is about to also be here, and we need to go right now before, before that happens. Um, we got back to the reception. You know, they're not really good here. They're, they're never going to address it because that's just not the thing you do on TV. Mm-hmm. I feel like Stargate travel is really not good for a pregnancy. Oh, yeah, probably not. You're right. That's being hurled at, like, tremendous speeds through subspace. You're, you're, well, because it, it, it is also, like, it still does the Star, the Star Trek California thing. You're still ripped apart yeah. anatomically and reassembled. Yes. I mean, it's fine. It's, there's probably no accident is going to happen. I mean, she she came to Abydos in the first place with the baby, and it was fine, right? Uh, yeah. You, yeah. That, 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 yeah. Have either of you seen Avatar 2? 
Yeah, I have. I, I do appreciate I have not they now. they do try to like approach that topic of like child and infants, like how they would travel through space. And the answer is they yeah. can't. No, right. And the, you see like there's the spider, which is the kid of the bad guy. Uh he was born on Pandora, like he was like a baby or a kid at the time of the first movie, and he's a teen by the time of the second. He's uh, a baby, anyway. and that's why he had to get left behind, because you can't put a baby in cryo sleep. Oh, that's right. That's the whole justification. Yeah, I remember. Um, and like, yeah, he becomes like, he, he becomes like a Navi, but without an avatar, he just wears a, like an oxygen mask for the whole movie because reminder, the reason that they need avatars is because the air of Pandora is not breathable for humans. Anyway. Uh, um, yes, he becomes Tarzan, but with dreads. Uh, white boy. Is dreads. Yes. Yes, right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so we, we got back to the reception where Hammond is regaling an extra with a boxing an, uh, anecdote. Uh, he's just recounting a boxing match he saw, I guess. Um, uh, and like O'Neill like, comes up to him and says, Hey, could you come with me? Uh, we need to talk about this on the stairs right next to the guard, wh- whom we don't know if he has clearance to know about this. Uh, yeah, a reporter came and approached me uh, and, and mentioned the Stargate by name. So we have a leak. That's a problem. Couldn't possibly be this guard that's right next to us, whom we're <laughs> discussing this right next to, you know. Uh, anyway. And uh, like they say, all right. Uh, he, 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 like, he loops Hammond in. Hammond says, all right, you're right, we have a problem. Um, so we don't know what Hammond does about it exactly, but we know that something is being done now. Um, now, back on Abydos, we get, uh, a, a nice, uh, reused shot from the movie as, uh, a pyramid ship la- lands on the, on the pyramid at the same time as our friends are in the gate room attempting to dial out to Earth. And, and when that happens, there's a short moment where Amonet, like, uh, comes back and kind of, like, asserts herself and tries to, like, uh, get, get control of the situation back. Because I, I, I guess, like, she was dormant, but she might have still been conscious of what they're planning. The, the same way when, uh, when Shari is under, she sees everything through her eyes. I guess the, the situation is, uh, reversed when it's the other way around. Actually, that's that's what's implied because you know when we meet more Tokra in a few episodes, we're gonna see that this is pretty much how they work as well. Um, I presume it works entirely like Get Out. Uh, do do the don't the people in Get Out just get like their brains scooped out and don't exist anymore, or they? Oh no, yeah, the guy does reassert yeah, himself. That's right. So. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, I guess it's like that. They they just see themselves and hear themselves talking, which is what's going on. Um, uh, yeah, so a, a ship a ship is landing, and like Amonet is like, "Oh, my lord is coming back for me." Uh, no, so you you made the comparison to get out, and I'm like, "Oh, actually, the sunken place totally does sound like something like a red, like a one-off former Gerald would say." In oh yeah, it does. Like I, there's, I, you know, Stargate is totally the kind of show where people will every once in a while, when they need to have like symbolic, like 
dream world conversations or whatever they will be in a dark room with spotlights on top of them and just talking with to each other with some echo in their voices like this is if if stargate had ever done a scene where a host is talking to their ghoul this is how they would have done it like in some kind of dark place with spotlights like very theatrical um <laughs> but anyway yeah <laughs> a black box theater show yeah exactly exactly uh with like black turtlenecks and stools uh, <laughs> um so yeah, uh, Tilk. So like, yeah, when Tilk sees the Zama- that Amanda is back, he points his hat at her again. Once again, uh, Tilk is just like do on some warrior reflexes, I guess. But uh, probably wouldn't be a good plan to tase a pregnant woman who's about to give birth uh, for the health of the baby, if nothing else. Uh, but anyway, he doesn't actually do that because. Um, as soon as Amanet says anything about uh, going back with Apophis, she goes, ah, and go, goes into labor. And Tilk says, oh, well, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess that, that thing we, we talked about earlier about the miscarriages, uh, that pretty much happened because uh, the fact that Amanet went, came forward to, to speak two lines uh, just triggered the, the, the labor. Um, so, yeah... Uh, Shara is starting to give birth now. She she's back in control, but she is having contractions, which uh, is difficult when you're trying to get her through the Stargate and to go to another planet. Uh, also, at the same time, an alien ship is landing. Tilk only has time to like dial two or three symbols on the DHD before the ring transporter on the ceiling activates, and like a gold rings down and. Surprise twist, dun dun dun! It's not Apophis, it's Heru Er, uh, our friend, the, the, the club bouncer from a few episodes ago, uh, who's been mentioned as being like pretty much hunting Apophis down right now to try to take over his, his power base and his territory. Uh, he's there now and he's tracked Amonit to this planet somehow because he says, he says to his Jaffa specifically to find Apophis's queen. So that's what he's here for, he's here for, uh, <laughs> I don't like his, I don't like his Jaffa's helmets. <laughs> yeah, they they look like ill. They're not as good as the snake. Yeah, I mean they're they're the birds that we've seen before. They look kind of like the bird one from the movie, but there was only the one in the movie, and these are cheaper. Uh, they're they don't open at all. Like when you we never see one of them actually open on camera. Um, also, they just kind of they just kind of flop a little yeah. bit. When the Jaffa moves, yeah, they, they look a little bit more top heavy, which means you know they're gonna wobble back and forth a little bit more. I I presume under the the shirts of these extras, there's like a harness of some kind, like tying this thing to their chest so that it doesn't move around too much and doesn't fall off of them. Um, anyway, so yeah, they they go off and look for about it, which you know, considering that she just like got carried out of this room a second ago. She can't be very far right now. Um, so now uh, Hammond and Sam and Jack are in the conference room where the president is about to give a conference because because it's the whole podium with the seal of the president behind it. Uh, and they're, It's empty right now. There's no journalists or anything, but they're talking about the, the leak problem they have and saying how, how much shit they're in right now because uh, if this guy... Uh, d- 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 breaks their cover in the in the newspapers. Uh, they're gonna have uh, 
every major world power on the U.S.'s ass asking for answers. It's going to be a whole arrival situation, basically, is what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to have China and Russia and everyone else going, hey, what the fuck gives with the aliens? Why, why is the U.S. the only ones with any contact with the aliens? And, uh, you know, it's going to be a geopolitical nightmare, uh, which I... I and then, and then Pierre Trudeau is just kind of vaguely like, yeah, we kind of, we, 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 we knew about this. We let them use our space arm. <laughs> right. 98, actually, I believe Jean Chrétien was the prime minister right. at, back oh, yeah, then. That's good, yeah, that's Trudeau was the 80s. Yes, you're correct. Trudeau Sr. was the prime minister yes. in the 80s, uh, for you Americans out there confused. <laughs> um, yeah, 98 was, yeah, I think, Jean Chrétien and then Paul Canadian Martin. prime ministers in a public school. No, you don't. Yeah, you know what? That's 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 pretty reasonable, yeah. honestly. Anyway, um, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Carter pretty much vouches for every single person who works at the SGC. Says, "Hey, the, the people who work there are like family. They would never sell us out. Uh, there's no way it's them." Hammond like seconds that, so we don't uh, have the the show doesn't want us to suspect any of the regular characters is basically what we're saying here. We don't want anyone to think it was Walter that did it. Um, and they go, hey, it's it's probably Kinsey. Uh, uh, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, but Hammond says, but yeah, Kinsey as well as every other civilian has signed uh, like an ironclad NDA before they learned about the Stargate, so they know they could be sued into oblivion if they said anything. But you know, everyone who knows about this could be sued if they said anything, either court martial or uh, or in a civilian court. So it's not like like everyone has that cover for going for them, so they don't know. But like considering we know that everyone who works at the SGC plus Kinsey's entire staff plus everyone at the NID knows about this plus some scientists scientists at the Pentagon know about this. That's like, you really get down to like how many people it would take to keep an actual conspiracy secret and there's actually pretty much no way to keep leaks from happening. And like, to this show's credit, kind of, it's never gonna, gonna be actually confirmed who leaked it. I don't think they ever go back and say it was this person specifically, but considering what the, the, like, the earth political plots coming forward are gonna be about, it's pretty much implied it came from the NID, possibly Mayborn, but it's never gonna be confirmed. Um, I, I don't know why Mayborn actually. Why would the NID do that yeah. though they want it more secret that they want it just as secret as yes yeah right like specifically mayborn uh we know he's like running some shady secret stuff behind the scenes and like having that be public would be even worse for him uh it's it's probably some underpaid uh nid goon who just like blabbed for a payday or something especially because like i definitely thought like the nid was set up what's what happens at the end of the episode uh-huh. i mean yeah uh yeah uh, at the end of the episode, yeah, that that's that's the NID's uh, mo that happens at the end there. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so Hammond like tasks Jack with uh, finding out how, how much exactly uh, the reporter guy knows. Which you know, in actual cases where the press is leaking something, that's that's really tipping your hand to the press that there's something to this story. When you go back to them and actually try to find out more about it, uh, that's not that's not like plausible deniability anymore. It's just damage control, which looks suspicious anyway. Uh, like imagine like 
he publishes that article and says, Colonel Jack O'Neill came back to me 30 minutes later and asked, so what exactly do I know and what I was going to print in the paper? Like, that's going to make him look way worse, right? Um, anyway, back to Abydos now. They are specifically in the caverns where they hid in the movie, uh, like the place where they found the, the symbols that they needed to dial back to Earth and one of them was missing. Uh, that's, that, that's the place they are they are in they they say that uh in dialogue uh like and yeah apophis uh Share says oh apophis is coming back he's gonna take my baby and Teal comes up to them and says that it was an apophis which you know <laughs> yeah i just realized herer is ross son and they replayed footage from the movie of ross ship so if if Teal recognized that class of ship, it would make sense that it would belong to Herer since he like kind of inherited Ra's uh, hardware, I guess, after Ra died. I mean, didn't they also use previous movie footage for Apophis's ship at some point? I I believe so. They uh, they they played some in the clip show. I don't think Apophis's ship ever landed in, on Abydos. Like he came through the Stargate in the pilot. So yeah. Uh, yeah, we only ever saw Apophis's ships in space when they were attacking Earth, I'm pretty sure. Um, but, like, we... I'm just not sure there's really enough of a difference for Chilk's no, right. And, and we've see, we saw, like, two of Herro's ships being constructed on Samaria before they were zapped away by, by the Asgards. Um, so that's one of his. Uh, and Tilk recognized it, and he says it was Herroer, even though he wasn't in the room to see Herroer in person, and we we did see it. Uh, and like Shari says, oh yeah, uh, makes sense. He's Apophis's enemy, and he wants that baby because he wants to screw with Apophis's plans. And they don't. There's there's another reason why all the ghouls want this baby. That's gonna be uh, cleared up in I think season three. Um, that baby is gonna be uh, another. It's gonna be a big piece of the the MacGuffins that everyone wants uh, coming forward. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, Ross says, "Hey, remember these caves? That uh, that this is where we hid from Ra. Wasn't wasn't it the the wasn't it great back then? Like the, all those good memories. It was right after we met. Uh, and Tilk is like, uh, so Daniel tries to reassure her and says, "Well, these caves protected us from Ra before, so they're going to protect us against this kid." Uh, and Tilk says, "Yeah, no, I don't think so." <laughs> um, it's, yeah, uh, Tilk has no real basis for saying what he does, but he says if Herror wants Charlie, he's gonna find her because he's dogged and like he he's gonna, not gonna give up before he finds us. Uh, I guess because he's so damn pers- persistent, uh, and he tries to tell Daniel that they have to go right now, uh, and Daniel says no, no way, uh, you did, I can't 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 just leave her here, uh, and Tilk says, yeah, well when the baby's born. Uh, Amanet is gonna is gonna return, uh, and like you're gonna be in trouble then, because <laughs> you're gonna be trying to take care of a baby, and you're gonna have a ghoul trying to kill you at the same time, and another ghoul coming to take the baby. So uh, that's that's a bad that's a bad sandwich for Daniel to be the meat in, is what we're saying here. Uh, and like, yeah, <laughs> Daniel says, no, wait, I'm not. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. And he asserts himself. And Tilk says, "All right, I guess I'll go off." <laughs> he says, "I will go and try to keep the horse guard away from you." Tilk, Tilk is just gonna go off and fight a whole invading army on his own <laughs> to 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 give to give Daniel the cover he needs to deliver a baby in a cave uh, with a bunch of scraps. 
uh, yeah, <clears throat> and Shari is uh, very grateful, and she's, oh, you do love me, and he kisses her, and it's kind of cute, because, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Jack just walks out of that uh, Air Force HQ, uh, and, like, Hammond says, find that, that reporter and find out everything you can from him, and the way Jack does that is to walk out of there and sit down on the bench that's on the steps of this building, and immediately... Uh, Selig just comes out of nowhere and sits down next to him. <laughs> like, I, I mentioned it in our chat, but if this was shot in actual Washington, D.C. and not Vancouver, this scene would 100% take place around the reflecting pool. Uh, it's the official place with benches where you meet informants and, like, do some shady dealings in Washington, D.C. Does uh, <laughs> anyone who's not a spy actually go to the reflecting uh-huh. pool? No, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, also the yeah, you you might say actually since everyone goes there, like all the tourists go there to pretend like like they're in a spy movie. But the fact that there's a hundred tourists there gives it even better cover for actual spies to do their shit. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the 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 role of bench around the reflecting pool will will be played by bench on the steps of this building for this episode. Uh, but yeah, Selig comes out of nowhere, sits down next to him, and he says, "Hey." Uh, so basically, he he spells out what I said in the scene before, like, "Hey, by coming out of here and like wanting to find me again, you're pretty much uh, de facto uh, confirming everything I've said is true because you would be just you wouldn't care if it wasn't true or anything." Uh, and he says, "Yeah." Like, uh, Armin has clearly been around the block because he says, yeah, that's always what happens. They come out and they try to find out everything I know while, while the rest of the people behind the scenes, uh, look into my credentials, uh, to make sure I'm not full of shit. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, Armin is still trying to get the juice out of O'Neill at this point. He, he's like, since, since he's pretty much cor- cornered him, uh, he thinks he can get Jack to admit that it's true and give him a quote or anything. But uh, Jack isn't biting, so Armin uh, gives him a little bit more bait and says, All right, uh, you're in SG-1. You go through the Stargate to different planets. Uh, he says specifically there are between 9 and 12 teams, uh, which we know that in Season 1 there were 9, and now there are 12, so uh, those are real numbers. Uh, he says you go through the Stargate to different planets, and you fight aliens. Uh, does he mention the aliens? No, he doesn't even mention the aliens. All he says is, is the Stargate and planets. Uh. Uh, he mentions that they blew up, that he knows that the flashes in the sky. Oh, ships. yeah, okay. So he does know that there's aliens involved in this story also. Um, and yeah, then like uh, Jack says, wow, that's quite a story. He's still, he's still not confirming or denying it, anything. He just gets up uh, and like arm. I'm sorry. Just- by the, thir- by the thoroughness of this leak at this point. <laughs> yeah, he's like, wow, the, like whoever did it really fucked us. They told him everything, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, and like Armin says, like he, he even gives him some more numbers. He says, so is, it costs $7 billion a year, and like uh, the hope is that by bringing alien tech back, it's, it'll make back the expenditure. Uh, and O'Neill... Sorry? It's a strong hope because it hasn't happened yet. No, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and O'Neill, like, f- f- tries to. They, they brought. 
they've brought back the best alien, some of the best alien tech in the, in anything. They brought back Zats. Oh yeah, they did. They they do have Zats. That's not nothing. Uh, they have they have the dimensional mirror from from the parallel universe episode. That's that's the other main thing they have. Uh, the, yeah, they, they couldn't keep that virus ball. It almost killed them all, unfortunately. But you know, what are you gonna do? Uh, yeah, keep that. Also, yeah. There's going to be an episode of uh, a few episodes down the line that is specifically about bringing alien tech back to Earth. Um, yes. yes, this will continue to just be a thing. I'm just like I, I, I don't know. I they undervalue how just ridiculously yeah. impressive that yes. <laughs> like a, a gun that is a stu- like, that is a taser stun gun with no wires. First of all, very useful to begin with. The fact that you know that it has specifically one shot incapacitates, two shots kill is an incredibly tactically useful weapon to have. Um, anyway, yeah, J- just and, and while ridiculous, the disintegration is very <laughs> yes, useful. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, Jack tries to uh, be intimidating at this point. He puts his sunshades on and like kind of stares this guy down, and like he puts on his uh, his mean face, like uh, which I I assume he hasn't had much practice doing it since it's not the Cold War anymore, and he doesn't interrogate KGB agents with it anymore because he doesn't seem that all that threatening. It's it's really hard for him not to seem friendly because Richard D. Anderson is extremely charismatic. Um, <laughs> He, he, yeah, he, he, he tries to, to go, hey, uh, one piece of advice for you. Don't embarrass yourself. You're gonna, you're gonna make, you're, you're gonna make a fool out of yourself. He tries to put like the impli- an implied threat in there, but it's extremely subtle to the point where this guy doesn't even pick up on it. He doesn't even call it out or anything. Um, like, yeah, so Arvin says at this point, like what you mentioned, that he knows that the two flashes in the sky were alien ships getting blown up. Um, Okay, then then Jack takes off his shades and it looks like for he looks like he's finally about to actually break and say something to him, but he says, "All right, I just have one thing to tell you. My name is spelled with two L's because there's another Colonel O'Neill with one L, and he has no sense of humor. And this is uh, specifically a wink, wink reference to the movie where the character of Jack O'Neill was spelled with only one L and was played by Kurt Russell in a very humorless role. Um, so that's that's what this is a reference to. Uh, good, good, good job, show on doing that. <laughs> Has any of that? Has any of the behind-the-scenes stuff from the show ever explained why they changed the, how the name was my, spelled? My presumption is that, uh, like, Brad Wright and uh, Jonathan Glasner wrote their pilot script based on having seen the movie on a tape with no subtitles and not from reading the script of the movie or anything, and they just wrote their script with two L's in it. That might be also why Shah Ray changed names from the movie to the series. They just went with what they thought they heard, and that just became canon after that. Uh, if I... That yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, Armin uh, like follows him up the steps a little, uh, little ways and like uh, underlines uh, for his First Amendment rights and everything. And he says this country has no official secrets act. I think is the words he uses, which is like a, a very specific thing that you know it's it's a way to say that freedom of the press is out there. Uh, but yeah. Uh, if 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 there's no official secrets act, why are you quoting it like it's an official thing? Is my question. Um, anyway, um, and he says like uh, 
yeah, Laurie C says, you can't do anything to prevent me from going to press. And, he, and, uh, and Jack says, like, tries to keep denying it and says, yeah, okay, I'm sure someone is going to believe you, but it's not going to be me. Um, so, yeah, and he enters and, uh, and like Armin just uh, go go goes out goes down off the steps, but as he's about to cross the street like a dummy, uh, walking backwards for a second, looking back at O'Neill, he asks him if it's two uh, it, it's two L's right, to, you know, to call back to the joke he he made earlier. But uh, that's just enough to distract him as he's starting to cross the street, where a, a car comes peeling in at full speed and just like runs this guy over and like runs goes goes off into the distance and no one got to see who was driving that car uh so uh jack runs back down the steps uh and armin right before he dies uh the, the last thing he says is to call jack a son of a bitch and to state that uh he believes that uh o'neill is responsible he called in the, a hit on him to silence him uh, and Jack like tries to assure him that there's that's not the case uh, right before he dies. Uh, there's uh, like literally in his hands, and there's a shot of literal blood on Jack O'Neill's hands, which is very symbolic. Do you get it? It's very subtle. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what, we, that we is cut, what I appreciate yeah. about Stargate: the the subtlety. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. That that's that that's also why the bad guys have eyes that glow and have like uh, a uh, voice that is uh, boosted, like bass boosted to hell in post production, <laughs> because it's a subtle show. Um, so yeah, Hero uh, is in the gate room and his Jafar comes in and says, "Hey, uh, I've I've asked around and it turns out you were right. She's here. Uh, I I I guess uh, like all the civilians." <laughs> on Abydos saw the Jaffa come and all the revolutionary zeal from the movie just left their body immediately and went, oh yeah, yeah, she's here, she's here, Uh uh-huh, yeah, the lady you're looking for is right here on this planet. Um, They remembered that last time, oh right, we we, we needed the people with with guns and explosives uh and we don't have that. Yeah, we don't have that anymore. And we see uh, there's one of the Jaffa with with the bird head armor has tied uh has like hand well tied kasuf's hands and he's down on his knees and he's threatening him with one of those two bladed knives on his uh, throat Uh, he's trying to to interrogate him and ask him where his daughter is and he's like i don't know i don't know he's uh, holding back he's not selling it sorry he's not uh, selling her out which is what i mean um and then teal runs in that tent and uh immediately just like whips out his zat and points it at this Jaffa and like <laughs> so uh this other Jaffa uh grabs grabs Kasuf and points his own zat at Tilk, uh implying that he's using Kasuf as a human shield but Tilk zats I guess zats them both anyway uh we get like a kind of cool transition where uh we get uh uh down like we the camera is pointing down the barrel of the zat and Tilk shoots directly into the camera, which flashes white and uh, which transitions us back to Washington, D.C., where Jacob Carter is looking out that same window in the conference room where they were at earlier. But they've now uh, projected the reflection of the Washington Monument onto the window to really sell that they're in Washington, D.C. right now, which is kind of neat. (laughs) <laughs> kind of a neat way to fake it at this point uh but like he's just staring out there uh and sam comes in and talks to him uh, talks to him um 
And like uh, Jacob is just like, oh yeah, uh, hi. He he establishes now that the the ceremony has been canceled on account of the suspicious car accident that happened right in front of the building. Uh, I guess uh, that well, I, I don't know if it's that they've decided that it would be a bad look to hand in medals right after a guy suspiciously died in a car accident right there, or if it's because uh, the Secret Service decided that it was too risky for the president to go there. Uh, anyway. Um. Uh. Yeah. That. That's. Yeah. All. All Sam says is that the president could adjust the schedule. Which. Okay. Whatever that means. Uh, um. Anyway. Oh, it's ca- it's because O'Neill, I guess, is giving a declaration about the accident, and so he can't be there right away. And by the time O'Neill is going to be available, the president won't be, which is why the ceremony is canceled. All right. That makes sense. Um. God, I I wish they had just had an actor stand in for Clinton, but you only saw the back of his head. They're they're actually gonna do something similar to that in a few seasons, funnily enough. Uh, but no, not in the not in this one. They keep the they keep getting away with not showing us U.S. President Bill Clinton. Uh, we don't see him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Carter's uh, Sam says uh, we're gonna go back to base, and Hammond's gonna give us the medals. Um, and like with with no guests and no witnesses or anything, so it's going to be a, a nice secret ceremony. It turns out, and Jacob can't be there because he doesn't have clearance. Um, and J- J- so Jacob's like, "Well, the, the what matters is the honor of getting a medal and not the actual ceremony, I guess." Um, like you 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 get the feeling that he's a, a little bitter about not getting to be there at the ceremony, and that he's still angry at her for refusing uh, his astronaut plug. Uh, but she starts to like defend herself, but she he just drops the bomb on her right there. And right there, he says he has cancer, uh, specifically lymphoma, which is uh, a bad kind of cancer, from what I understand. That means the lymph nodes have cancer, which means uh, it's it's spread over his whole body, basically. Uh, yeah, but according to Jacob, he has about a year to live, so uh, he's uh, um, you know. Uh, I don't know if he says a year, but anyway, he, he says he still has a while. Uh, and like he says he was hoping that he was going to stick around long enough to see her go to space. Uh, but like even, you know, that seems very optimistic. If, if he has a bad kind of cancer that's going to kill him in a year or so, because astronaut training takes, pretty sure it takes more than a year before you're ready to actually go to space. But uh, anyway... Uh, it was, you know, it, as, as mentioned, it was a, a bucket list thing for him. Um, like he, he restates that, okay, I know you're up to some classified shit you can't talk about. I know it has nothing to do with analyzing deep space radar telemetry, but it can't, like, he, he can't possibly believe that it's better than actually going to space in a space shuttle. And he, like, you can tell, uh, in her face that she would really like to be able to say it to him, but she can't because, it's it's highly classified, and we just saw what happens to snitches outside. Um, anyway, and she she just tries to to uh, to 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 assert herself and say, "Hey, shouldn't shouldn't it be enough for you to know that I'm doing what I really love, like, and that 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 shouldn't that be what really counts?" And he says, "I have dreams too," which is you know that's kind of shitty. <laughs> Uh, you know that Jacob is trying to pull the cancer card, kind of to say it's it's more important to me that you go to space for my pride than it is for me for you to do what you actually dream of doing, uh, which is not that it turns out. 
Well, I mean, it is that, but, you know, she's not going to space that way. Um, but yes. What if she simply told her dad, Dad, I promise you, I will go to space. <laughs> yeah. And almost guarantee that Samantha Carter will go to space again. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, she, she, she goes to space at the end of this episode. She goes to space every week. Uh, but yeah, no, she can't, she can't say that to him, uh, is the, is the main thing. And she holds, she, she holds to her NDA in the face of court martial. Like that, that she, she keeps to that even stronger than, than her dad having just told her that he has cancer. So, uh, uh, Iron Will, <laughs> Samantha Carter right there. Uh, and he, he leaves and he tries to not make a fuss. And he, he's like, uh, yeah, just, so don't worry about anything. Like, it's not, I'm, uh, I'm not in danger right now. So don't feel like you have to dote on me and call me tomorrow or anything. And he's being a little bit shitty. Uh, <laughs> no, I always thought that, that, Deep Space Raider telemetry was actually uh-huh. a thing, but googling it, the first result is Stargate uh-huh. Wiki. The second result is our Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> then a, a T-shirt selling a T-shirt that says Deep Space Raider telemetry. Uh-huh. Yes, uh, the the thing I'm thinking about with Stargate uh, with radar specifically is radar is a technology that relies on radio waves bouncing on something and then coming back to us, which means to use radar for anything in deep space would take twice as long as it takes for the light to reach us. Like it's, it's, you know, pinging something in space is even longer than looking for a signal in space. So like radar as applied to space, uh, specifically deep space doesn't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is the main thing, which which is, you know, it's, it's kind of a shitty cover story, but it sounds science-y enough that people don't... I, actually, I think the point of it is that it sounds boring enough that no one asks her any questions about it, which is the main point of it. Um, anyway, yeah, Jacob kind of, like, bitterly says congratulations on the medal and leaves the room, and she, like, just breaks into tears as he's leaving. And, uh, yeah, I, like, he, he did try to reassure her that this isn't the last time they see each other, but uh, it feels like that to her, clearly, because she's very upset um, that they're leaving each other on such a sour note. What the? What? What is? Okay, hold on. I Sorry, this is completely unrelated uh-huh. to the episode. I'm just going to send a, scre- a screenshot to the okay. Discord that is, like, all, uh, what I'm assuming is a... Face someone's fake LinkedIn profile. That was the next result. <laughs> some, some someone is a for Stark. Yes, okay. This is someone doing a joke. This is called because <laughs> like Stark Industries. Uh, hate to break it to you. That's also not a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a LinkedIn for the listeners. This is a LinkedIn picture of someone's LinkedIn profile that says their job is deep space radar telemetry at Stark Industries. Uh, which is two things. I've, I've seen so many documentaries about Stark Industries. Right? Like, yeah, like Iron Man 1, 2, 3. Well, well, anyway, you know what I mean. Um, it's it's going to turn out that this is, just, this is actually just something someone at Disney made to, to get a screenshot of for a, mo- for a this, movie at this, some point. This is an internet joke that someone made. That's all it is. Um, yeah, it's a bullshit. Anyways. <laughs> all right. Um, so, Shari is giving birth, and Daniel is uh, now helping with his third baby delivery lifetime. Because last time he did it on the planet that makes you old, he said he'd done it once before. So uh, we don't really keep a counter of Daniel births the, the same way we track Daniel's deaths. But I guess, uh, it's like, ding, ding for Daniel birth number three right there. Um, 
because like yeah he delivers his wife's baby um who doesn't get a name or any more details uh, attached to him in this episode uh he's gonna have a name eventually but not right now it's, um you know, he has a he has a much worse much worse birth death ratio oh, yeah. than most people. <laughs> he has a lot more deaths than births is, is is what we're talking about here. Most people are one to one and like uh the the delivery room doctors and uh paramedics they have pipe. Yes. And I was gonna say the lady that helps you who's not a doctor. Midwife. Anyway, uh, midwife, that's the word I was looking for. Uh have a higher ratio. Um uh, anyway, yeah. Uh that Daniel catches the baby because it's a tv birth uh it took less than an hour from start to finish of course uh and seemed uh you know can be done in a cave by a guy and not in a hospital or any medical facilities whatsoever uh anyway it's a boy uh and then like we see Shari's eyes immediately glow indicating that Amonit like took control back the second the baby was born uh and then the Jaffa we saw get zadded by Teal'c before with the bird helmet uh, walks into the room <laughs> uh, and uh, points points his zat at at Daniel and says and says with unmistakably Christopher Judge's voice, "Bring me the child of Apophis." Um, if we like Daniel seems to immediately get that this is Teal'c and recognizes him, but uh, Amonet may probably well definitely doesn't because that that's the cover story that they're going with so uh daniel goes over and uh brings the baby over uh and Amanet says uh apophis my my god will destroy you for this and tilk says tell him hero has taken a son as his own uh because we're giving her we're, we're we're doing a cover story over here on plot a as well uh while like all three all three plots of this episode have to do with someone uh D- d- telling a lie to cover for a secret, which is why this episode is, ki- is titled Secrets, obviously. I mean, um, Jack, Jack didn't lie. He just didn't say anything at all. No, yeah. So, so someone being uh, strategically uh, lying by omission, I guess. And I just like... Also, the, 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 the next shot is making me lie because I said earlier that we never see those helmets open on screen. And like, Hel- Teal's helmet does open on screen with a CG effect right there. So, uh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> That's my bad. Um, yeah, so we see that it was Teal'c, obviously, which which was obvious to, if you paid attention to his voice. Uh, but yeah. Um, so now, like, he, he's added a monet to make her pass out and make her believe that Hero Ur is the one who has the baby. Uh, but then they go and hand, hand the baby over to Kasuf. Because, you know, technically, like, Daniel reminds us, this baby is Kasuf's grandson, which makes him the closest actual blood family who is a good guy that they could give the baby to. Uh, so that makes sense that they don't bring the baby back to Earth because he is more closely related to Kasuf than to Daniel when you get down to it. And um, also the NID would absolutely dissect the baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially once they 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 learn what they do about this baby once again in season three um even as far as we know so far it's just a normal human baby whose two parents just happen to be ghouled but you know uh details I, I, details i feel like Bayport would still have them dissected just to be sure <laughs> just because he hates babies actually um 
Uh, and like Tilk says, all right, you, please find someone you you who you trust with your life and who's not afraid of hardship to uh, to help you raise this baby. He he basically makes him an Obi Wan. Uh, uh, and is like says, all right, so uh, what you're telling me is that I'm never gonna see my daughter again. And Daniel says, hey, listen, I'm never gonna give up. I'm still gonna look for her. Uh, please trust me on this, and we'll see how that goes. Um, so, yeah, back to Earth. We're back in the SGC now, where that uh, private medal ceremony that was mentioned is now happening. Uh, Hammond is the one giving the medals to uh, O'Neill and Carter for, for saving the world uh, from the two uh, ships. Uh, and like he, he also names drop, name drops Teal'c and Daniel in this in the, his little speech that he gives, but they don't get any medals because it's military medals only kind of ceremony, I guess. Uh, and also like the the what's nice about this being a private ceremony is that uh, Hammond can just say the real reason why why they're getting the the medal instead of it being the, uh, the cover story uh, that it's specifically for destroying the the two ships. Uh, yeah, Hyman says, "Yeah, it's it's too bad that uh, the president couldn't be here because of the accident." Um, uh, and like uh, Sam leaves the room, uh, like no, wait. Uh, Hyman says, "All right, so I know you're like Daniel and Teal'c are waiting for you in Abydos, so uh, why don't you go get dressed and like you can you can just go after that." Um, so Carter says, "All right, I'm gonna go get changed," and like. O'Neill just keeps standing to attention in the room and just kind of stares and doesn't say anything. Uh, and uh, and Hammond just like goes up to him. Uh, after he clears the room of the guard who was there, he, he just like looks him straight in the eyes and says, it was an accident. And like Jack doesn't answer anything. He just stares back at him. And you can like, God bless Richard Dean Anderson with with he only says yes sir actually but you can just tell from his face that he's like his his just trust in Hammond is absolutely shaken from this point uh he's like he doesn't like he doesn't he's not sure he wants to believe Hammond and say that Hammond had no knowledge or anything to do with this uh but he he just can't be sure uh for for what it's worth uh I'm like 100% convinced it wasn't Hammond that did it. We never get a confirmation either way, but it's, you know, it's it's got to be the NID. That's the, They're the ones that do this. Um, anyway, uh, now, uh, Teal'c still... Like, for some reason now, Teal'c uh, still disguised as a Jaffa thinks that what he needs to do is to bring Daniel over to Heru'er, even though he could still just deliver those news without having Daniel with him. If 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 the the goal is to get Heru'er to leave, which is what he's trying to do now. Um. But yeah, no, they 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 whip up a little bullshit story uh, about uh, like they say so. Oh yeah, okay. So the the story that they give him is that uh, the teal pretending to be that Jaffa says that he found this guy who's uh, one of the Tari. Okay, no wait, sorry. The cover story is Tilk says to her er, that serpent guards of Apophis have taken the baby and they were too late and Apophis has the baby now. Uh, so, like, no, there's absolutely no reason for Daniel to be here because I thought the cover story was that the humans took the baby, but that's not the case. So Daniel, like, bullshits her, her a little bit and he says, hey, 
Herr, how about we ally ourselves together against Apophis? And Herr, like as you as would as you would predict, just laughs in his face. Like <laughs> as far as Herr is, is concerned, Apophis is just waiting to be crushed already. He doesn't need reinforcements to do that, and like Herr doesn't believe that the humans are any threat to him either. He, he thinks he could just wipe them both out without even lifting a finger. So uh, he says, "All right." Now, ju- just be- just because just because you're here, I'm gonna make a promise to you that after I've killed Apophis, I'm gonna come over to Earth and kick your ass. Now, it's uh, gonna be like five seasons until we get a Gawold who doesn't <laughs> just assume all the other system lords that fight the Tari get their asses kicked. Uh-huh. But for us, it's, it's gonna good. be di- for me. It's gonna be different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that that arrested development meme where like yeah, uh, this, yeah. this time it might just work uh, actually no it's, it's <laughs> Tobias and Lindsay yeah <laughs> uh, it's not gonna be that long actually there's gonna be you know savvy political gould are gonna like try to go with other approaches uh, I think in like season 3 that's that's when it starts but yeah it's gonna I be thought it wasn't uh, until, like, closer to 5 but you're probably right you've seen, yeah. you've seen the latest seasons more recently than I have yeah 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 and there's also one particular very savvy Gould who uh, is always one step ahead of the humans and very much understands uh, how the humans of Earth think. And he's a very interesting and exciting and fun uh, bad guy. But he, he comes in at season five, as you yeah, said. Yeah, he's, um, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, Hero is about to torture Daniel to death once again with that fucking hand device that Daniel always seems to find uh, stuck in his face. Uh, <laughs> But then the the Stargate starts dialing, uh, and the the and like so, Hero uh, orders the the four guards to stand guard next to the Stargate, including Tilk. And Tilk does such a fucking baller move right there because he's standing right next to one of the other Jaffa, and he waits for the for the Stargate to turn on. And when the kavush happens, he just like fucking whacks the other Jaffa into the kavush to disintegrate him and get get him out of the fight before it even starts. Uh, that's so badass. I love this. And, and we see that also that he, like, when he does that, his staff weapon, like, the tip of it got, got also got disintegrated by the, by the Kawush, so he can't use it as a weapon after this. But he, like, just takes out his Zat and shoots at the other Jaffa. Uh, like, he shoots one of the Jaffa once, uh, then he aims at the other one, but the other one shoots him with the staff weapons and wounds Teal'c, but he manages to still uh, sh- get the, the the first shot off to that, to that second Jaffa to incapac- incapacitate him. Um, and then it's uh, it's Carter and T Te- and sorry Carter and O'Neill who walk through the Stargate uh, this time, and they they don't understand what's going on there. Why is Herur there? Why are there Jaffa? Uh, but like Herur uh, threatens them with with his hand device, and Honia go, just goes, "Hey, what the hell?" and just like uh, sidesteps out of the way. Uh, D- Daniel just like whacks at Herur's arm, Herur's arm to. Uh, to throw his aim off uh, and send that blast flying into the ceiling. Uh, Carter has uh, whipped out a Zat. I don't know if it's Teal'c or, or the one she had with her, but uh, she just gives gives the, the, the two Jaffa their, the second and the third shot to disintegrate them. Uh, second episode <laughs> where we get that. Uh, so I guess like it's up to four because I know there's one more time. Uh, but I think, I think I'm right now when I say they did that exactly four times throughout the 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 series and this is the third one of those um 
So, uh, yeah, and her, like, so Jack shoots his gun at her, and he's using that shield that we know. We know how that shield works. It, it only blocks fast projectiles, such as bullets. Uh, and so, um, the, the, the gunshots from Jack are ineffective. And her says, you dare challenge me? And Jack says, I was thinking about it. And he, he whips out his knife, because as we've this learned is- from that other, yeah. At this point, I thought O'Neill was going to pull a Jack Burton from Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> and he do just, what exactly? Uh, hurl a knife at him and completely miss it. And then the bad guy <laughs> would pick it up and hurl it at him. And Jack would catch it and throw it back at him and hit him. Yeah, that, w- that would have been sick. It would have been a little too much. Uh, that would have been the direct reference. But no, he, he hits him first try. Not even center of mass, directly into the middle of his hand breaking his uh, his hand device and preventing him from from shooting him uh but uh <laughs> what's weird is the next thing hero does is push the button on that very same device that just got uh stabbed through with a knife to summon the rings and beam him out of there <clears throat> so yeah uh he hero runs uh with his tail between his legs uh so now they they all get together themselves and uh <clears throat> uh, they they do. Uh, uh, Carter does the little exposition to remind the viewer of how those shields work. Uh, in case you didn't remember, so they they go up and uh, check on Daniel, and uh, uh, they like say, "Hey, Daniel like, Carter like talks about talks about how the shield works." Uh-huh. Uh, J- Jack's just like, "Yeah, right. That's that's what I did." <laughs> Just oh yeah! That, I, like no, he he just decided I, he had forgotten and decided to throw yeah. his knife or just but yeah, 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 whatever. What's the worst that could happen? Like I just I just want to like spitefully throw my knife at this guy now because whatever. I just hate his face. Um, anyway, uh, the Stargate starts dialing again now for the third time. Uh, <laughs> so they go, oh shit! Uh, Daniel says, oh that that must be Apophis, and Jack just goes Apophis. What the fuck? <laughs> And they go, they go off and hide, um, and like the the Stargate turns on, and yup, wouldn't you know it, Apophis himself is right there with his serpent guards. Uh, he's in his beach uh, outfit apparently because he's wearing a, a short little skirt with a cape and a nice hat. Um, Honestly, this is one it. of Apophis's better looks. <laughs> it, it looks really casual. But... Okay. Yeah, com- compared to his usual like army, he he's like, oh, the- we're going to the hot sand planet. Let 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 me just whip out the summer gear, uh, <laughs> the summer robes. Um, so yeah, uh, Amonet is is just like, oh, I'm right here, my 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 pharaoh, and uh, she she she's put her like nice regal robes back on that she's she she stashed somewhere, I guess. Uh, and like Apophis asks her so what happened to the baby, uh, and she says, "Oh, it was stolen by an enemy by by Heru-er specifically because that's what Teal'c uh, told her." Uh, and like for uh, <laughs> like Apophis is mad when she says that, and like for a second it looks like he's about to slap her, but like he just like kind of pets her face, uh, and, and Daniel is staring at them, looking at them, uh, staring at them doing that, and he's very angry because like. You can kind of see that Apophis kind of like genuinely loves her, maybe, uh, which is upsetting to Daniel. Um, and then, like uh, as as the Jaffa are dialing the Stargate, uh, Amanet just stares directly at Daniel and Teal, and they see that she sees them, and she doesn't say anything. 
which is interesting. Um, I suffered two episodes in a row now of the of members of SQ One getting cucked. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, correct. Uh, yeah, Jack and Sam still. Like, I mean, they they don't have any uh, spouses at the moment, so they they're 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 free from that having that hanging over them. Um, so yeah, the the Apophis and Amonet and the Jaffa just walk through the Stargate, uh, and then like SG One comes out of of hiding, and uh, Carter points out, "Hey, so there's still this ship right on top of us, <laughs> so we should probably get out of here." Um, so they go, yep, good point, and they they do that. They tie, they dial the Stargate, uh, and uh, yeah, there's a there's a call back to Children of the Gods because uh, Jack asks Daniel if he's okay, and Daniel says, "I'm not, but I will be," which is which is uh, the exchange they had at the end of the pilot too. Um, and then uh, Teal says, "Like, hey, she looked right at us and didn't say anything, and they they don't know what to do about this to to, to make of this." But my, to, the 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 implication is that uh, Charvet still held some kind of willpower enough over Amalit at this point that she could somehow control her uh, from saying anything, and like is is able to keep the secret. Or I, I guess Shari doesn't actually know what happened to the baby, so it's, she doesn't actually have a secret to keep there. But she she's strong enough to. She stopped to... Apophis from turning around and killing them right there. Yes, <clears throat> right. Stop nothing. Uh, she she yeah she at least stopped that. So that's not nothing, as you said. Uh, so that's good, and that's it for uh, this episode. Uh, <clears throat> that's it for secrets. Wow, uh, big big one, big episode, uh, long podcast probably. Um <laughs> uh, you can send us questions to jaffatakespodcast at gmail.com or on our Twitter at, at jaffatakes. Uh as long as we have a Twitter, uh send me a blue sky invite if you have one. Uh, <laughs> uh, well you can also join our dis our channel on the audio entropy Discord server and ask us questions there, just as our listener did uh for this episode. Uh so an uh <laughs> Uh, this listener called M asked the question, this is an episode that really kickstarts multiple plot threads going forward. What are some other good episodes of TV shows that completely changed the show after them? Uh, M, <laughs> do you have an answer for this question? No, no, I don't. That's why I asked it. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Uh, TV, yeah, there's, okay. So, Blast had like a couple of those per season. Um uh, you know uh the the one uh the the one the the season three finale of lost where uh it turns out instead of being a flashback it was a flash forward uh that's a big one because it changes like the structure of the 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 episodes from then on because uh if you like if you haven't seen lost if you have this is gonna be of course one on one for you but uh the the structure of lost is each episode has like scenes on the island where they're lost and flashbacks to one particular character from their life before the island uh up until that point that that was what each every episode was uh the season three finale seems like it it's that again and then at the end of the episode we understand that it was a flash forward from after they get off the island which is you know that I, was a, a really cool trick that they pulled i can tell you yeah. uh the, there is an episode in The Good Wife where everything that follows mm. is the second half of the show. 
Like something happens. Yeah. And the series is fundamentally different afterwards. Um, yes. I'm watching the good fight and that's the same case except it happens uh, after a season when one of the lead character, like one of the lead actresses leaves and the whole show like reboots itself effectively uh, because of that. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, genre shows, like when Buffy graduates high school, that kind of becomes a yes. new show. That's a good one. Um, yeah, that changes. And then when she dies. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms yeah. of sci-fi, I would say uh, in Deep Space Nine, once they meet mm-hmm. the, uh, the the Dino the men, who am I? I'm blanking on their names. Um, the Gem Hadar. Yeah, once the they meet them, the show becomes yep something else. Yes, the, the the once the Dominion War starts and that becomes the the, the whole show. Um, Babylon Five also like similarly to DS Nine. I think it's the end of season one, where uh, it's been like the 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 main plot has been about uh, them figuring out what's going on on that planet and what's with the I forget the name of the alien race that is completely mysterious to them. And it's like alien political plotting. And then the end of season one, it turns out that there's been a fascist coup on Earth. And now the Earth is a fascist go- government. And Babylon 5 is like where all the good liberals kind of live. Um, so yeah, that, that, that changes a lot of what's going on there. Uh, I, I'm, I'm watching through Barry right now and it sort of feels, I'm, I'm halfway through season two and it almost feels like almost every episode is a big uh, shift in the status quo. Um, I just watched one where they spend the whole episode hunting down a little girl in a taekwondo outfit and she's like, she pulls some wire foo stuff and claws at their faces and stuff it's really weird uh anyway I, barry's I got, a hell I, of a show uh i think i got it I got one now though it's mm-hmm. very it's one where the show started to get dramatically changed for the worst but the first mm-hmm. season of, the, of netflix daredevil you have the one random episode you have the episode oh. where he fight where stick shows up and has him it has him go hunt down some child for some it's some that some oh, yeah. stuff is happening in the middle of the very serious yes. dramatic dramatic kingpin plot and we just suddenly derail it for ninja bullshit that will just yep. keep propping up and ruining everything for the rest of the marvel netflix's existence yes netflix marvel was just they they put all their money on everyone being really invested in the hand and every season the hand was just there to fuck up the interesting plot that we actually cared about they they, they couldn't have possibly played that worse than they did uh, yeah, uh, R.I.P. Netflix Marvel Universe. In terms of sitcoms, um, when Diane leaves Cheers, Cheers becomes a new type of show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If for Friends, once Monica and Chandler get together, the series shifts away from Ross and mm-hmm. Rachel for good reasons. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the good place is the good place. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to mention the good place. The season one finale of the good place uh, changes everything. Yeah, that's a... Um, <laughs> That's a dramatic pivot. Yep. No, no, no spoilers there because you should watch The Good Place if you haven't. Um, so yeah, uh, that's for that question. We have a, an, a second question from M. Where would you hide a secret alien baby where, where it would never be found? Um, Definitely not on a desert planet. That doesn't seem to be the worst place to hide them. I know where Inside I would. Inside the Las Vegas ball. 
Uh, if only, <laughs> yeah, where, if, where would you hide if him? Only the crew of SG One knew some like pacifist forest gnomes that could be invisible <laughs> at the drop of a hat. If only they've they've <laughs> like they've hidden their stargate or whatever. They've they've made themselves unreachable, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like they've if they like. It, there's not any like the the land of like oh they should give the baby to Dreyak and Ryak like may make them re- raise him that would be fun, um, yeah there's 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 there are several uh, refuges that they've 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 come across that they could use if they don't want to keep him on Earth but I I will restate that uh, leaving the baby with his grandpa is uh, kind of the nice thing to do. It's, it's, it sounds right to leave him with him, even though there is the overhanging threat that some ghoul is going to show up and take him away. Um, yeah. There's always the, uh, ancient Greece world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The land of light. That, that, that's where Dreyak and Ryak are. That seems to be their, their, their dumping grounds for all their, uh, their refugees that they don't know what to do with. Just send them over there. (laughs) Um, yeah. M, do you have you? Did, are you still blanking on this? Do you have any uh, other no, ideas? No, 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 this one I actually brought it up in the episode. You, you go send them oh. to Chimera. Yeah, Samara. Yeah, Samara. Uh, the the, the, the yeah. going to get them there. That's that's a good point. You, you could just do that. Yeah. <laughs> like hopefully Thor's hammer doesn't register the baby as a ghoul because it's it's screwed. There's there's some stuff with DNA we're gonna have to talk about in about a year, but you know whatever. Um, <clears throat> but that, that's it for questions. Uh, I've already mentioned all the places where you can ask us questions. So ask us questions. You can follow my personal Twitter at the Real Simben. Also, uh, M, where can people reach you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Amafili, and you know, oh, please. Please, please send me a Blue Sky invite. Please send us Blue Sky invites. Jimmy Dean, uh, you've already mentioned a bunch of TV shows. Are, do you have any other words about them, or are you good? Uh, no, uh, good fight is good. I'll probably finish it next week. Um, I'm still in the first season of Melrose Place. Mm-hmm. Hell of a show. Yeah. Um, God, God, Melrose Place is so long. It's so goddamn long. <laughs> oh, I bet. Soap operas are notoriously uh, long endeavors. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's probably going to be like 28 episodes, and then like the next following seasons are 32 episode seasons. So oh, That's like near Power Rangers length episode uh, seasons right there. That's, that's too much. That's too much. Melrose Place, you should be ashamed of having such long seasons. Um, uh, but... But yep. I'm so close to Heather Locklear arriving on the show. Exciting, and that that would be another example, I guess, because I've heard once she arrives, uh, she takes over the show. It becomes oh. her show. Big, big, big changes inside for Melrose Place. Everyone, <laughs> be excited. Stay tuned. Uh, the next Stargate episode we're going to cover is called Bane. Uh, has nothing to do with the Batman villain of the same name. Uh, it's a Teal-centric episode. It's a kind of kind of a fun one. Uh, it's not. It's not a plot-heavy episode like this one was. Uh, but uh, you're going to have to wait a little bit before we get to that episode because I'm going on vacation the next two weekends. Uh, M has graciously offered to read a couple more chapters of the Stargate Equestria fanfic, uh, and we're very grateful for that. Uh, so uh, we I look apologize. forward to that. I apologize for the contents of the next one. 
<laughs> oh, great. You know that's going to be a good one when you need to have a disclaimer like this. Um, so look forward to that. And then I'm going to have some vacation. I'm going to see Jimmy Dean in person like next weekend, which is exciting because uh, <laughs> you're coming over to uh, to hang out uh, where, where I live, which is fun. Uh, and then like uh, I'm going away for a week to a cabin with my family, which is uh, why I'm not going to podcast uh, during that time. But I'll see you on the other side of all that with Bane. Uh, and then that's it. So, uncreate.